Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Um, Matthew chapter 6. God has a sense of humor. Um, and, and I know that because of the way he planned things today, because we're about to enter the holiday week and the holiday where it, that is more centered around food than any other in the whole calendar year. That's Thanksgiving. And what passage do we come to today in the Sermon on the Mount? Fasting. All right? God has a sense of humor. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And when you fast, can I stop there and say, in case you're wanting to turn me off at this moment and check out and think fasting is not for you, or I don't understand it or like it or want it, and God's not calling me to do it. That's our answer. God's not calling me. All right? Um, I want you to notice what it says here. When you fast. There was an assumption that Jesus made, and we've talked about this before. In chapter 6 of Matthew, there are three things that Jesus assumed would be natural, normal parts of our walk with him. Number one is giving. That's in the very first part of chapter 6. Number two is prayer. He does the whole outline, the model prayer, and what that's supposed to look like. And fasting is the third one. He said these are things that Jesus anticipated would be normal parts of our life. We're going to talk about what fasting is, what it looks like, all right? He says, but when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that, they may, that their fasting may be seen by others. They'd wear old clothing. They'd look really sad. They wouldn't bathe. I mean, they wanted to appear as though they were fat, and someone would come along and say, what's wrong? I'm, oh, I'm fasting. And it's like, oh, you, you're holy kind of thing. And, um, and Jesus said, don't do that, all right? Um, they want to be seen. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Any reward there might be a fasting, they just got it. They got what they wanted was the praise of man. They wanted the attention of man. They just got it. All right. Jesus goes on to say, but when you fast, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Don't look like you're fasting. All right. Don't try to appear in some way so that someone will come up and Oh, are you okay? You don't. I've been fasting for all week, you know, kind of thing. And no, now again, as we talked about with the other things, when the old King James says, "When you do this, do it in secret," but the word "secret" it's not really meaning that you're doing it in hiding that nobody can know, because it's appropriate at times when you're fasting that other people know. That wasn't what Jesus' intention. Just like it's appropriate at times when you're giving, sometimes other people know you're giving, and when you're praying, other people know you're praying. He's not saying that it has to be a secret that nobody can know. He's saying the heart attitude has to be right. This is not to make a show. This is not something that we do so that we're, our purpose is not doing it so that other people will know we're doing it. The purpose is God is leading us into this. If other people know and need to know, that's a whole different situation. He says, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. All right? In other words, your father who knows the heart, he will see your heart and what's going on there. It's all about heart. It's all about motive. Jesus is always after the heart. And he goes on, and, and I won't read verse 19, but we'll stop right there. Okay? Now, I want to start, because I was talking with Lori about fasting, I think it was last week, 
and we were talking about some of this, and I was talking about some of the pitfalls that, that I've walked through and we've walked through and in this journey, because fasting is something that was introduced to me a long time ago and almost became legalistic in my Christian walk. Um, and so God had to do some new things in my heart and life in regard to this. But Lori pointed out to me, she said, Troy, not everybody is coming from the same place you are. Some of you are saying, what is fasting? Um, and typically you may say, oh, I know what fasting is. I have to do that before I have a medical procedure. They won't let me eat. Um, and so, yes, um, that is a part of fasting. But biblically, it's broader than that. It's bigger than that. But let's talk about fasting. First of all, let's define fasting. Before we go any further, let's define it. And then we're going to talk biblically about what it looks like. What's the definition of fasting? Number one, fasting is limiting. It is limiting normal legitimate bodily pursuits for specific reasons and specified time under the direction of the Holy Spirit. All right? That's fasting. That's my definition. If you don't like it, you can come up with your own, okay? But this is, as I walk through this and I look at it biblically, fasting is limiting normal, legitimate bodily pursuits. Eating is a normal, legitimate bodily pursuit. You must do it. And so the Holy Spirit leads us at a certain time for certain reasons to limit our intake, to limit our eating. But it's not just eating. It's not just food. There are times when he says, I want you to limit other normal, legitimate bodily pursuits. As a matter of fact, we have an example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, I didn't put the verse there, but you can just jot it down, look it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. He's talking to a married couple there, and he says, I don't want you to defraud one another and not having normal sexual relations in your marriage. He said, unless you do it for a you agree to do it for a specified time where you don't have sex, and he says, in that time, you give yourself to seeking the Lord, you're pursuing him, and then you come back together at agreed upon time. You don't continue in that indefinitely, but you have a period of time, all right? So he's saying that fasting can be broader than just food because having a sexual relationship within your marriage is a normal, legitimate bodily pursuit, all right? It's God created it, and it's a good thing. But he said you can limit that in agreement so that you say, you know what, we're going to not do this at this point in time, and we're going to pursue the Lord together. We're going to seek him. You can do the same thing with your time and how you spend it. There are normal, legitimate pursuits that you and I have. But the Lord may call us at times to say, I want you to stop that. When I got away here a week or so ago, there was the direction of the Lord, I want you to limit your normal, legitimate bodily pursuits. I want you to do something different. I want you to pursue me in a different way. I want you to stop doing Nothing wrong with these things, but I want you to stop doing them. And I want you to press in to me. I want you to hear me. Again, we can do this. The Lord may call you to fast from technology. Not that technology is evil. Sometimes it can be. But not that in and of itself it's evil. But how often are there times in our life, and we don't even realize it until we've gotten into it, that things of this world have a great hold on us? And we don't realize they have a great hold on us, but the Holy Spirit's aware of it. And he may lead us and say, you know what, I want you to, I want you to fast. I've known different ones. Now, this is not a problem for me because I don't do Facebook. But I've known different ones that say, you know, I'm fasting Facebook. And I'm, I'm proud of them. I mean, for someone who really loves that, that's a big deal. 
for me, it's not a big deal. I, I fast Facebook all the time, all right? So, I mean, I, I never partake, so I'm on a, com, a continuous fast of Facebook. Um, but, but if you do that, that's a big deal. Or other social media things, are they evil? Are they wrong? Are they sinful? No, not necessarily. But God may call you to say, you know what? Lay this down for a particular time. There are different kinds of fasts that are talked about in the Bible. Some you may have ever heard, heard the term a Daniel fast, which isn't a complete fast. It's actually limiting um, the, the Bible. The, the King James says choice foods, but it's rich foods. It's meats and wines and all those kind of things. And they were just eating vegetables, drinking water, having vegetables. Um, and so there are different kinds of ways where you, you would fast different things um, that the Holy Spirit would, would guide you in, all right? So this is fasting. It can be about food, um, but it's, it's broader than food. It's not just food. Um, the Lord called me here just earlier this week to fast meetings. You say, what? Fast meetings. It was harder than you think because I have this inward compulsion that if I'm not having these meetings that I'm supposed to be having, that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm keeping others from doing what they're supposed to be doing. And the Lord said, I want you to cancel. I want you to stop and not do any of these meetings, even the good ones, even the legitimate ones. One of those meetings was a, a prayer time with a group of pastors that we do every week. He says, I don't want you to go. I want you to fast. Um, and it's like, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So again, fasting can be broader than food. It can include food. And don't rule out food. Some of you are sitting there saying, I can't fast. Can't fast food. For, and maybe some very good reasons. Uh, you say, I have physical issues and things. I, I get that. But even most of us, even who have physical issues, when you have to do tests, blood work or whatever, they ask you to fast um, to be able to do that. And so again, Talk with your doctor, talk with your medical professionals if, if the Holy Spirit leads you to do something in fasting food. Don't be irresponsible with your health. But at the same time, realize that sometimes we put up a wall to something that God might want to give us more revelation and more grace to do, all right? And so, and by the way, everybody in this room fast. Every one of you. We all fast. As matter, We have a whole meal of our day named in honor of fasting. Break fast. We call it breakfast. Break fast. Have you wondered why they spell it that way? Break fast? Because you're breaking the fast. You say, but Troy, that was easy because I was asleep. All right? It's easier to fast when I'm asleep. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come, I'll come, ba I'll come back to that because there is a great, great picture in that. All right? But I'll come back to it. All right. Let me tell you this. Fasting is biblical. All right? You need to know that. Not only have we talked about what fasting is, but fasting is biblical. Um, the first really time that we see it showing up and the only place where the children of Israel were commanded to fast is in Leviticus, Leviticus 23. And Leviticus 23 is the day, it talks about the day of atonement. It was the annual event in the, in the Jewish calendar, in their spiritual calendar. And they would come together and offering was made to atone for the sins of all the people. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. And it, this one time a year, the people were asked to fast. They were asked to not eat, to come and to be part of the celebration, to turn their attention toward this day of atonement where the offering was made, their sin was atoned for, it was taken away, it was, it was paid for, and they were made clean, made pure. It's a picture, obviously, of what Christ did for us. He is the atoner. He is the one who made atonement for our sin. 
As a matter of fact, for the believer today, every day is the day of atonement. Every single day. Every day, the blood has been applied to us. And, and our sin has been paid for. That doesn't mean we fast every day. That just means that in the New Testament, we have a picture that's more complete of this Old Testament picture. And so, on the Day of Atonement, they would fast. The only time that they were commanded to in the course of their whole year. But why? Because God wanted their attention to be on what was taking place right there. And I'll come back to it again. I'm going to come back through these verses again when I get to the next point. All right? Look at another verse with me. The next verse uh, where, you, where you see this talked about fasting, Isaiah 58, one of the most famous passages on fasting. And one, quite honestly, I misunderstood until recently. Why have we fasted and you see it not? They're asking the question. The children of Israel are asking God because they're in trouble. And there's a lot of trouble that's come. And they said, we've been fasting. We've been doing all this stuff. And God, you haven't done anything. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day, God answers back, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. He says, when you fast, you do it for your own selfish motives and you have no heart for anybody else. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. You fast, you've got a goal in mind, you want information, you want ammunition. I want something to prove I'm right and you're wrong. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble themselves? He goes on, is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? He's saying, you've got all this outward stuff, religious ritual that you do, and you call that fasting. Do you think that's what fasting really is? you think that's what I think fasting is? Am I somehow impressed as God that you sit in sackcloth and ashes and you make your face all dirty and you, you, you hold your head down and you go through all of this, rich, this ritual? Do you think that is somehow pleasing to me and it's, oh, he's serious, I'll pay attention and give him what he wants? Notice what God says. Is not this the fast that I choose? And then he gives you the fast he chooses. He tells you what he intends to do in the fast. And notice, it isn't about outward stuff. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share? Now he goes beyond just the spiritual work that he's doing. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless pour into your homes when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh there's a lot here we're going to come back to this passage in the next point all right look at the next verse with me and there are a lot in the old testament we could go other places remember esther called asked mordecai to have all the jews fasting for her when she was going in to see the king because she was afraid he was going to kill her. fasting is a biblical part you see it all over i just picked a few but there's a lot of examples Old and New Testament, Jesus fasted. It says after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This is talking about Jesus. And we know, based on our definition, see that this is led by the Holy Spirit. Right before this, it says he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. And there he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then after this, he was hungry. There's a little, there's a little tip in here too. And I'm going to chase just a quick rabbit trail because it's information that may be helpful to you. 
If, you, if God does lead you to fast, and this has not been a part of your life, and you go without food um, for any length of time, uh, there are things that happen within the body when you fast. First of all, you get hungry, okay? I don't have to tell you that. Some of you think you're already hungry just talking about it, okay? And you're not even doing it. You're just hungry thinking about it. Um, but you, you do begin to get hungry, um, especially if you go for longer periods of time, up to a point. After about three or four days, you don't really have hunger pains. The body, it's amazing how God made us. It kind of switches over and it realizes, hey, I'm not getting the daily nourishment. That I'm not getting my daily allotment here coming down the gullet. And, um, and so it switches over and it begins to find energy from other places, from other reserves. We call these fat reserves. All right. Some of us have more than others, but it begins to it begins to pull from the fat of the land, if you will, and and so um, really, when it, the scripture says here that after forty days he was hungry, the fact is your body doesn't have a lot of appetite. Generally speaking, for most people, doesn't have doesn't have hunger. I shouldn't say appetite. You do have appetite. You don't have hunger. You don't really have hunger pains after about three or four days until later on in this. And when the hunger pains return, it's a sign you've got to start eating because the body will eventually begin to devour itself. Do you remember years ago, I remember back in the 80s, we would have these political prisoners that would go on hunger strikes. Do you remember that? And all of them seemed to die about day 52, 53, 51, 52, 53. You remember that? And I often wondered why that is. Well, because after about 40 days, medically speaking, somewhere around 40 days, the body then begins to devour itself. And it doesn't take very long after that, usually days before it it devours all that there is to devour and it dies it shuts down all right so if you go on a longer fast if god were to lead you that do some research uh, talk to people who've done it read some things make yourself aware because there are physical things that happen in all of that uh, and you do need to be aware of it even if you go on a shorter fast be aware of certain things one of the things that's going to happen when you go on a fast is halitosis which is a big fancy word for bad breath all right it just is because of the toxins and things that your body puts off. You may get a white coating on your tongue um, of impurities coming out. These are things, you're not dying, okay? You're, you're, not, you're not dying, it's not the end of the world. It's simply your body purifying certain things, okay? So if you, if, if, as God, I shouldn't say if, because I would imagine for many of you, God may lead you on this path and this journey. And if you've not done it before, um, there, are, there are resources out there for you to be able to get good information and understand what it is that you're doing and how to do it appropriately and effectively. All right, let's, let's move on. Next, next verse, Acts 13, 2. You also see this in Acts 14, but while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So they were worshiping the Lord and fasting together, and God spoke to them and said, hey, Barnabas and Saul, they're the guys. Put your hands on them, send them out. Chapter 14, we see when Barnabas and Saul go into cities, they fast and pray and appoint elders in each of the churches where they go and establish churches. So you see this pattern, Old and New Testament light, fasting was a part. It's a biblical thing. It was happening. It's not some weird, crazy, new age, cuckoo kind of thing, all right? It is a biblical thing. Now, I have one more point, and then we're going to tie all of this together. What is that? Fasting, the purpose of fasting is about relationship above results. Please don't miss this. If you miss this, then you will be like me and spend years, decades, not understanding something tremendously valuable 
that God says, I've designed for you. See, for me, for years, fasting was about results. I'm going to fast. God's going to see it. He's going to be pleased. He's going to be proud of me. He's going to give me. He's going to work on my behalf. He's going to do things for me because he's going to see how serious I am about this. And so I'm going to fast. And fasting was a regular part, um, usually once or twice a week at least, where I was fasting. And then longer fast that I did, um, extended fast. Um, because again, in my mind, I read these passages on fasting and it's like, if I fast, then I'll get God's attention I'll demonstrate to him that I'm serious about this and then he'll move on my behalf. And you miss the whole point in that. Fasting has always been intended to be about relationship, not primarily about results. Results do come, I believe. I believe God does do certain things in our life. But you need to understand the motive because remember when we started this, Jesus said, the heart, it's all about the heart. When you, when you give, it's got to be about the heart. When you pray, it's about the heart. When you fast, it's about the heart. It's always about the heart. It's about the motive. Why I'm doing this. Now go back with me. If we can back up with our screens. The, go back to Leviticus 20, 23 with me. Remember the Day of Atonement? Why did he want them to Fast. He wanted them to pay attention to recognize that atonement was going to come not through religious exercise and activity, but because Jesus was going to die for them, pay for their sin, and establish relationship with them and with us. Fasting from the very beginning has always been so that you and I would recognize the relationship, not just try to get results. Now, the problem is we're Americans. That's our, that's our problem with most spiritual things is that we're Americans. And Americans are all about results. We don't tend to think about anything unless what kind of result are we going to get? How are we going to achieve, accomplish, reach the goal? Look at the next passage with me, Isaiah 58. This one just blew me away as I was going back through this. Isaiah 58 we have fasted and, and you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of, of your fast, Jesus says, or, or God says to them, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. You're trying to do your own thing. You oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight. You've got your own agenda. Your motive is you when you're fasting. Let's get to the, skip to the next verse with me. When, um, skip to the next verse, please. All right. Oh, there we go. No, no, no. Let's go back. Um, there toward the end. It should be verse 7, I think, of, that, of, of Isaiah 58. He says, this is the fast that I have chosen. To loose. There we go. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Whose who's bonds of wickedness? Whose straps and yokes? Somebody said, mine, mine, theirs, ours. He said, here's the purpose of the fast. Here's the result. Now, if you want, to, you want a result, you want to seek a result, here's the result. I want to be in relationship with you, Lord, because in that relationship, you break the yoke. You loose the ties that bind. You let the oppressed go free in relationship. Oh, folks, it, 
I spent so long in my Christian life so messed up because I just, again, I thought like an American, like a human being, and I'm trying to approach God that way. And so, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard, and I'm going to try hard, and I'm going to do all the right stuff, and by the just sheer power of my will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, and then you're going to be impressed, and then you're going to, God, that must be why you did this for all these great people in, in the past, and those in the scripture, and those in church history. The reason you worked in their life is because they got it all right, and they had a lot of discipline, and they did the hard thing, and, they had, and then they got results. And then I start reading their stories, or just reading here. They didn't do it all right. They did most of it wrong. I began to look at Christians in church history. They didn't do it all right either. But many of them walked down. One of the reasons I love Hudson Taylor is I love his journey as he shares it. But he was trying so hard to overcome his own bondages, his own, his own sin, his own shortcoming. And I don't know if you know this, but Hudson Taylor, who started the China Inland Mission, but he struggles with, mightily with anger. He was an angry man. He writes about in his journal, he said, God, how in the world can you use me to lead these people when I can't even control my own temper? And then he was walking one day on the mountain. He was fasting while he's doing it, trying to earn something. And then all of a sudden, God just revealed himself. In John chapter 15, you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Clean. Hudson, you're trying to gain something I've already given. You're trying to prove that you, you're trying to become something that I've already made you. Just relate with me and then watch it, watch it bloom, watch it grow, watch it manifest. It's not through your striving. What is that passage in Zechariah? It's not by might, by power, but by my spirit. It's by his spirit. It's not your my will. Some of you have very strong wills and you have accomplished a lot with your will. I don't know that that's all bad, but I'll tell you what the bad side of it is. It causes you and me, because I was just like you, it causes us to believe that our will is what produces the righteousness of God. And it does not. It doesn't. Fasting is all about relationship. Look at this next verse. Here with me. Um, actually, we're running out of time. Skip with Matt down to, um, I believe it's Matthew chapter 9. I believe there's a passage on there. Should be the, yeah, the last verse that we've got there. John's disciples come to Jesus and they're noticing something. Like, Jesus, you and your disciples don't fast. Matter of fact, you guys are partying. You know, you're having a lot of feet, you're turning water to wine. I mean, you guys are you're having parties here. We fast, and the Pharisees fast, all right? We have these rituals. I mean, we're doing we're doing what God wants us to do here and discipline and you know keeping our bodies under. We're doing all that. Why don't you fast? Why do why your disciples not fast? Jesus answered them and he said, can the guest fast when the bridegroom is still there? Now he's using a picture here of a Jewish wedding. 
Now, Jewish weddings not like an American wedding. Jewish weddings would last for days and days. All right, they come, they show up, and they have a party. I mean, they hang out, they eat, and they drink. They just hang out for days and days. That's the reason they ran out of wine. Remember the wedding, Canaan? They ran out of wine because everybody wouldn't go home, and they ran. They finally ran out. And Jesus is saying, you know, when we're having this this celebration, everybody's excited for the bride and the groom. Everybody's excited about the marriage and what's taking place here, and they're enjoying it. They're in fellowship and relationship with what's going on. They shouldn't be fasting then. They shouldn't be sorrowful then. They shouldn't, you know, go off in the corner and say, I can't eat or drink at that moment. No, they're enjoying the relationship because the groom is still there. But he said, the day's coming when the groom won't be here. He was talking about his return to the Father. He says, then they will fast. What is he telling us? He's given us such rich insight here. He's saying the purpose of fasting isn't to get stuff from God. It's so that I can be in relationship with God. It's so that I can just press in and know him more. That I can, that these things that might be distracting me are, are, are taking my attention somewhere else. He says, I want you to be willing just to limit that. Lay it down. At my prompting, not just because you think it's a good idea, but at my prompting to lay it down. By the way, when he prompts, he also gives power. You say, I can't do it. That's probably true, but if you allow him to prompt and you respond to that, you will find power that you did not know. I can tell you that there have been times where I just decided I was going to fast because I thought I needed to so I could get, you know, so I could accomplish something. Very, very difficult to fast under those circumstances. But when the Lord prompts, it's really not difficult at all. Years ago, the Lord prompted me that when I teach, when I speak, that I should fast. Every time, just fast. Um... It's, you know, it's not hard. It really isn't because the Spirit prompted. And there's something that I've discovered in it too that there's a closeness that I sense just in relationship with him. Again, I'm not earning anything. It was his prompting. By the way, part of the reason I think he prompted this way is I think Jesus, Jesus often fasted when he was teaching. You say, how do you know that? Feeding of the 5,000. He says he had compassion on them because they'd been with him all day and had not eaten. He'd been teaching. He'd been with them all day and hadn't eaten either. It wasn't just the people that hadn't eaten. Jesus hadn't eaten either. When he comes to the woman at the well, remember the disciples go to get some food. They come back and Jesus is sitting there and, and they say, maybe somebody else fed him. And he goes, no, I have food you know not of. When the Holy Spirit leads you to do these things, if he leads you to fast technology or whatever if he leads you to fast your time i read something in a book the other day someone said uh, you should fast take and just see if you fast negative words i disagree with that negative words are sin we don't fast sin we see sin okay you don't fast sin but you might just fast how many words you use period god might lead you to do that so, you know just fast your words just don't speak very much period and then let god begin to help you analyze the words now some of you don't speak enough so maybe you need to fast silence all right 
And you're thinking, hey, I'm happy to fast words. I don't like to use them anyway. So you need to speak. Maybe the Lord would say, you know, you have too much silence, too much of your own. I can't be the Holy Spirit for you. I would like to sometimes, but I can't be. I've, I've often thought, Lord, why wouldn't you let me be the Holy Spirit? But he doesn't. That's not my job. That is not my job. He can do it fine without you or me. He'll tell you if you ask him, if you want to know. He'll tell you. He'll show you. There's all kinds of ways, and I, I just throw them out. And you say, well, Troy, doesn't the Scripture say in the New Testament that this kind cometh out but only by prayer and fasting? So there's a result there. You can, there's certain ways, and when you're dealing with certain schemes and works of the enemy, the, the, only, the only way it comes out is by prayer and fasting. That, that passage actually is in Matthew 17. And depending on what translation you have, it's not in there. And you'll say, what? If you go over to Matthew 17, in verse 20, he, he's, the disciples tried to cast demons out of this boy, and they couldn't. And the parents bring the child to Jesus and said, we brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't help. And so Jesus, he says, you of little faith, and then he casts the demon out. And later the disciples come to him and say, why couldn't we cast them out? And if you have the King James, New King James, verse 21 of chapter 17 is inserted in there. And it says, this kind cometh out only by prayer and fasting. If you have ESV, NIV, um, you know, the NLT, some or newer translations, it won't be there. If you have a New American Standard or a Holman, it may be there, but it'll have brackets around it. The reason being, and in footnote, which says that many of the manuscripts don't have verse 21. That's the reason some put it in and some don't. But even if you put it in, it still is not talking about getting results. It's talking about relationship. Because in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends them out and gives them authority. And they go out and they're preaching and they're casting out demons. And they're doing all this. And they come back and they say, Jesus, you won't believe this. Even the demons are subject to us. You should see it. You won't believe what happened out there. He's like, I know, I know. But what did he tell them? He said, don't be so excited that you cast out demons, that they're subject to you. Be excited that your name is written in the book of life. Be excited that you're in relationship with the Father. That's what Because all of this other flows from that. Everything else flows from relationship. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that as human beings, everything in our life flows from relationship. Everything. Starting with the Father and then moving out to people. That's the reason Isaiah says God's going to do a work in you. And then he's going to cause that work to flow out of you to touch other people. Now, some would say, you know what? What if I have a child or a loved one or someone and they're just in bondage and, should, and maybe God leads me to pray and fast? Absolutely, pray. I, I have been led to do that. And I believe God uses it. I believe that there is power in this. I really do. But don't get the motive mixed up. Don't make the motive getting some result. The motive is always Jesus. It's being in relationship with him. God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. And out of that, when he reveals himself to you, you'll be amazed what not only does he do in you, but he does in people around you. Fasting is his idea. And it's a good one. And it's bigger than just food, though it includes food. There, I believe, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I just believe this. So this is not, this is not, God speaking, okay, just Troy speaking. But I believe that in all of our lives, on a regular basis, I would even go so far as to say a weekly basis, 
God would call us to fast in ways about things that he wants to do. It may be fasting in my time. It may be fasting in my entertainment. It may be fasting in my food. It may be fasting words. It may be fasting meetings. It may be fasting good, legitimate things. But he says, I want you to limit this for a specific purpose to press into me and allow me to reveal myself more to you, that he wants to do this. I challenge my children. I'm going to ask Lori to come. I challenge my children, and they will tell you this, in particular on Sunday mornings, that, that have it look a little different. The stuff that they might normally do or enjoy and the entertainment they might normally listen to or pursue. What if, what if Sunday morning looked a little different? And not those things, but it was more, it's worship. It's worship music or it's reading or it's, it's things that would cause me just to kind of press in to the Lord. And I challenged them in that way. And a lot of times they'll like, oh, Dad, I don't want to do that. And I know, I understand. Can I tell you what I think one of the great blessings of being willing to surrender to the Holy Spirit in this area of fasting is God will begin to teach you and me the difference between hunger and appetite. He'll begin to teach you the difference between hunger and appetite. Most of us don't know what hunger feels like, but we certainly know what appetite feels like. Let me illustrate. Have you ever had a delicious meal? You're fully satisfied. It was great. It was wonderful. And you sat down to watch something and an advertisement of some food comes on and you immediately think, boy, doesn't that look good? The next thing you know, you're standing in front of the refrigerator thinking, I, I'm hungry for something. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Yeah, that's appetite. That's not hunger, it's appetite. That's the reason I tell you, after a few days, you're not hungry on a fast usually, but you will have appetite. Appetite is something totally different. But when God begins to walk us through this, he begins to help us discern the difference between hunger and appetite. And he begins to give me genuine hungers. In Matthew 5, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And when I obey the Holy Spirit in this area of fasting, I, I see him do work in me so that no longer am I pursuing appetite, but I'm developing genuine hunger for the things of God, the things that he wants. This is one of the great things that he does. One of the reasons I believe he asks us to be in relationship with him in this fasting because he's, as we do that, he produces this in us. He helps distinguish between hunger and appetite. You say, I'm just not hungry for the things of God. I don't really want to read his word. I don't really want to spend time with him. I don't really want to pray. I don't really want to talk to him. There could be any number of reasons for that, but one of those reasons may be that the Spirit wants to call you to fast in some ways so that he can deal with appetites that are keeping you from being hungry because he'll deal with those appetites and he'll give you genuine hunger. Genuine hunger is always better. I was on a long fast one time. I may have shared this with you before, but I was on a long fast and I came off of it and the dear people at this place where I was staying, it was way in the middle of nowhere and they were, it was the new year and they were on a diet the new year. They were eating Dolly Parton soup. They were on the Dolly Parton soup diet, which is basically cabbage soup, with some other stuff in there. And I came off the fast. And I came in and 
And I said, you know, I'm hungry. And um, they said, well, come join us. They put a bowl of Dolly Parton soup in front of me. Now, during my fast, I had thought about things, but Dolly Parton soup was not one of them. <laughs> it was not. There were things I'd thought about eating, but that was not one of them. Oh, that was, a, that was the most wondrous thing I ever put in my mouth. <laughs> was that bowl of Dolly. I still taste it to this day. Because God began to deal with appetites in my life and give me genuine hunger. Now, what he does for us physically, I believe he wants to do for us spiritually. To deal with the appetites that are keeping us from being spiritually hungry. This is the, this is the beauty of the relationship, of, of having a relationship with him in fasting. I challenge you, don't, don't just dismiss it out of hand. Ask the Holy Spirit, are there ways you want me to fast? What are they? What do they look like? And I, I know this has gone long and I apologize. No, I really don't. I'm sorry. But um, I apologize to the nursery workers. That's who I apologize to. All right, and we're just about done. Myth, here's a myth I believe for a long time. And you may believe it too, so let's, let's cast it down right now. That the, the longer, more severe the fast, the more impactful it is. That's a myth. What I have discovered with God, there have been times where God for one hour called me to fast. For one hour. Not just food, but t time, whatever I was doing. Just to pull away and pull into him. And I have seen him do more in my life and reveal himself in sweeter, more powerful ways than when I had long extended fast for the wrong reason. Don't get caught up in that. The Lord may call you to fast a meal. He may call you to fast a meeting. He may call you to fast a certain amount of time. And you may say, well, that's insignificant. If Jesus calls you to it, it's not insignificant. So don't let the enemy lie to you about that. That's the reason I believe, I believe the Holy Spirit will do that every week in our lives. There'll be times where he'll do that. He'll say, just pull in. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop this. Limit that. Nothing wrong with it. You can go back to it at some point. But for right now, press into me. Listen to me. You say, Troy, what do I do when I'm fasting? Whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. Whatever he tells you. Read. Listen. Sometimes I've slept. You say, that doesn't seem very spiritual. He gave me things while I slept. And I'd wake up with a thought I hadn't had before. Because he just said, I want you to close your eyes and listen to me. Isn't this better than I got to fast so many days just because God expects it? No, there's, there's a joy in this. There's an excitement in this. It's like, God, when's the next time I get to do this? Not a drudgery. Oh, it's, it, it flipped for me, folks. It changed. I'm so glad Jesus put it in there. Even if he put it in there the week before Thanksgiving. I'm glad he did. And I'm not telling you you have to fast on Thanksgiving Day, okay? That, unless the Holy Spirit tells you, don't do that, all right? Just be open to what he has to say to you. Why don't you stand with me? Lord Jesus, help us, help us, help us to grow in learning how to be in relationship with you. Help us. 
But I realized, Lord, that in each of these three things, in giving and praying and fasting, when you do a work in us and it comes from the heart, that it really is all about relationship. Not about ritual, not about duty. Not, I'm doing it because I have to. God, help us. Help me. Help us believe that you want to take us further in this than we've been. Cause us, Lord, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, deal with the appetites that we have. Even legitimate appetites, but they're not under the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, do a work in those in our life. Demonstrate your glory in us and through us. Cause us to know you like we've never known you before. Now in a moment, we're going to dismiss. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come here to the front. They can come right now. And we're going to dismiss. If we can pray with you about anything that's going on in your life, that's what we're here for. Um, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, let us talk to you, pray with you about that. If you are in relationship with Jesus, but there's some things you're struggling with, whatever it might be, let us pray with you about that. It's our privilege to be able to do so. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the work that you're doing and the way that you're moving. I thank you for the way that you move today and the way that you're speaking. And the way that you're speaking even now, I pray that you would take your truth and you would take it deeper than, than we can even imagine. I pray, Lord, that you would cause people to hear what they need to hear, not necessarily what I said, but what they need to hear, that you would speak. And Lord, I pray that your grace would be poured out in all of our hearts and that we would respond to what you say, that we would trust you and believe you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.